Hello, friends, and welcome to my podcast that attempts to delineate what it means to transition from juvenile thinking and behavior to genuine maturity. Now, I'm going to go pretty deep today, um, expose some stuff. You know how sometimes you you hear someone speak and you kind of get embarrassed for them, like when a certain presidential candidate says something, you just kind of cover your mouth and feel really bad for what they're doing to themselves. There may be some of that here. And uh, I don't know, I don't care, just hang with me or don't, what's your choice? But uh, let's go ahead and get started. Well, you know, what's funny is some of y'all still trying to think about which candidate I'm talking about, but you'll never know. Um, all right, so the other day, Lauren, my wife, by the way, uh, my wife's name is Lauren, she sends me a video of this snake that she found in her backyard. And this thing is a mammoth snake. If you follow her on um, social media, I think she posted a picture of it. And she sent it to me while I'm at work, and it's this giant... I, it, Seriously, I think it's probably at minimum seven feet. It could have been a little bit shorter, or I don't know. It's over there by one of our chicken coops. But anyways, I'm a little frustrated that I'm not at the house when she sends me that video because I like to, you know, play with them and look at them and, you know, give them little names and talk like I'm Steve Urban. But so I get home and uh, I'm looking around for the snake in the backyard. Uh, my wife's not there. She's already gone. The kids are gone. And and what I do is I stand on a little ladder and look look over our fence to try to see if I can find the snake because that's where she had videotaped it. And I'm just peering around over our fence and I see the tractor and the trailer and a couple other things back there, but I don't see the snake. And I just kind of sit out there and look around. It feels good outside. It's probably about 85, 80 degrees. It feels nice, you know. And and this is the weird thing. I don't know why this happens to me, and I mentioned it in a previous podcast, but I'm just sitting here on this ladder. It's a beautiful day. It's probably around 5 or 30 or 6 in the afternoon. And... All of a sudden, I get this feeling of failure. I don't know why. It's just weird. It just comes at me out of nowhere. And I talked about it when I addressed, de uh, addressed destination addiction. And so anyways, I don't know why. I'm just sitting here. And it's like, you know, you get these feelings. It's like somebody's just whispering in your ear or your heart, you know, you know, you haven't accomplished enough in life and you're a failure. And, and I'm not going to get into too much of what was going on in my head. But my point is, is I stopped it. So I thought about, about how life is hevel. Uh, about its fleeting and the time for joy and appreciation uh, is now and it's time to be content now. So I kind of, I kind of judo chopped those negative thoughts in me. And it, it's funny because as soon as I judo chopped those thoughts and I, and I blocked it out, I kind of noticed the beauty in where I was. I noticed how nice it was outside. I noticed the, the beautiful blue sky with the clouds. And even though I was looking at a bunch of rusted equipment at a rundown chicken coop, I actually saw the beauty and, and everything that I was doing and at the time. And, and I thought, man, I've got a beautiful wife and great kids. And, and so I just kind of reversed it, you know, kind of blocked it. And I started to say a little prayer. And the cool thing about living in the country is you can say prayers kind of out loud and nobody judges you. They only judge you if you talk about how you did it on a podcast. But so I'm sitting there and I just kind of mumble a little prayer and I say, I say, God, just guide me the right path. If I'm, if I'm not doing what I need to do, just push me in the right direction. And, and I wanted to keep going in my prayer, but I was interrupted. I was interrupted by God himself. And I realize that sounds weird to some of you. And the fact is I don't, I was going to say, I don't care what you believe, but I do care what you believe. But I guess what I, the point I want to make here is despite what anyone out there believes, my relationship with the Most High is exactly what it is. So anyways, so I was interrupted by God, and he basically, he said, not aloud, obviously, but an impression. He said, verbatim, he said, you're right where you need to be. And it was very, very clear. It was very, very clear that to me that I had God's approval, that 
I was right where I needed to be in life. And I think that patience is the attribute that he was kind of trying to getting me to embrace. And which is very ironic. I think he's had to do that many, many times in my life. But patience is what I want to discuss here. And by the way, if any of you have moments that I just described in either case, either the feeling of failure or if you feel like you, you know, God kind of speaks to you in certain ways, I want to know about it. Reach out to me and let me know. I want to talk about it because I feel, well, quite literally, I'm the only one talking about it. I'm staring at this computer at my house, just solo mio. So I'd, I'd like to you know, engage in good conversation with someone about that. If you're willing to reach out, let's talk about it. But patience, I think, is the key word that was coming at me. And what's funny is I'm a history buff. So I started thinking about patience. And uh, I don't know if you know General Custer, old, old George, old George boy. Um, he was, yeah, his demise was, uh, had to do a lot with patience. He was impatient. He wanted glory and and prestige and power real fast. And he ended up getting a couple of tomahawks up his butthole and he deserved it. Unfortunately, he brought over 200 men with him in that, in that death on, on that day. But, uh, patience was something that he didn't have. Uh, what, uh, Titanic. So if you don't, you sure you know the Titanic or Leo, you know, um, Rose, but anyways, Titanic, the Titanic sank because people were impatient. Captain Smith, well, he wanted to, to best the crossing of the, um, the sibling ship of the Titanic, which was called the Olympic. And as you know, it ended up sinking. They were in they were in a hurry. Hey, here's a, here's a fun statistic about weight loss market. So the U.S. weight loss market, you know, the quick fixes, the pills and so forth, is now worth $72 billion. And that has a lot to do with patience. It has a lot to do with a lot, of, a lot of other things, too. But patience is a big part of that, right? People don't want to take the long and lonesome road of dedicating to a proper diet and exercise and so forth. They want a quick fix, right? That's why it's a $72 billion industry. In the U.S., 41 million speeding tickets are issued every year. 41 million. You know why? Because we're impatient. We want to go fast. And by the way, that's only a fraction of the people who are actually going too fast. They just get caught. Warren Buffett, as you probably know, Warren Buffett, Buffer, Warren Buffett. he's an investor. He's a business tycoon, philanthropist, CEO. He's a big dog. He's, he's really old. But uh, his main piece of advice to people who want to follow a similar trajectory as him is patience. He says, invest in the market and just be patient. By the way, he's worth $82 billion, so he could buy out the entire weight loss market right now. But uh, So I think patience plays a large role in a lot of what we do. And you know what? I'm going to give you one more. I'm going to give you one more example because this is one of my favorites. It's, it's fiction, but it's a pretty awesome uh, point to learn from. Shakespeare's Macbeth. I don't know if you know the story of Macbeth, but it's pretty, it's pretty cool. So there's a Scottish general named Macbeth. And he receives a prophecy from three witches that one day he will become king. And by the way, these three witches that, that prophesy that he's, I think, I think it's actually translated to three sisters. But anyways, it's three little psycho ladies. They prophesy that he's going to become king and they are never wrong. So what he does, he and his crazy wife, Macbeth's wife, they try to think of ways to, f- to speed up the process, if you will. Okay. What, what cards can we do? What, you know, what chess pieces can we move to make Macbeth king? And it doesn't end well for any of them because they, they try to force it. If they just would have been patient, then by default and by the fact that the witches are never wrong, he would have become king. But he was impatient, and uh, like I said, it didn't work out well. Now, here's what's interesting about my situation, and my wife already knows this, but I am by far the most impatient person 
that I know have ever known or have ever heard of. Before I was 36 years old, I had financed nine trucks or pickups, if you will, a car, a Jeep, a Ford Bronco, 11 motorcycles, and two boats. I even financed a paint job for one of those pickups. Now, why did I finance? Because I was impatient. Because I don't want to save money slowly trickling in from my jobs and have enough money to pay for it. No, I'd rather go get a loan, pay interest on that loan just so I can have whatever it is I want to have really, really quickly. My doctoral advisor, I went to A&M and, and to work on a doctorate, and my doctoral advisor, Dr. Buchanan, I call him Dr. B., he said, Noah, you, you've got a lot of good things going for you, but patience is not one of them. You've got to learn to be patient. And my wife accurately, I was going to say accuses me, but she accurately labels me of being an impatient person all the time. So it's a perpetual issue. I won't, if, if you're impatient, let me know. Let's talk about that too. We're going to talk about a lot of deep stuff. But my impatience has also resonated through my career. So I'm 41 years old. L listen, I was a professor for only a year and a half. Then I did truck sales for a year and a half. I was in commercial development for a year and a half. I was operations manager for a safety company for only three months. And the longest stint I've ever had at 41 years old working for a company is four and a half years with a company called Intertech. I've been at my current job for less than a year. I hope that none of you think I'm bragging because I'm actually, I'm, I'm exposing something that to me is profoundly embarrassing. But I'm just making the point that patience is something that I have yet to master. I'm really working on it. And, and by the way, all those things that I just mentioned, that doesn't include even a fraction of the, well, I guess it's technically a fraction, but that doesn't include all the side jobs that I've had in conjunction with those, quote, full-time jobs. I, I've had well over a dozen side jobs, mowing lawns, uh, doing statistics at volleyball games, anything to try to earn some extra cash, you know. And I even started two small companies. And again, that's not bragging. That's embarrassing. I wish I could be more patient. I, I envy those guys who can stay at a job for 20, 30, 40 years, you know, and really do well. I think that patience is closely tied with perpetual discontent, which we talked about earlier in the previous podcast. I don't know if you listened to them or not, but I think there's a very, very close link there. But here's a kicker in all of this when it comes to patience. And I want you to think about if this happens for you. Patience to me is linked to trust. Let me give you an example. Let's say a father tells his son or his daughter, whatever, we're going to stick with his son just for consistency here. So father tells his son that he's going to buy him a pickup on his birthday, on his 16th birthday. So the son, and he says son's 13 years old at the time. And every week, every month, every year, the son is consistently saying, hey, dad, are you going to buy me a pickup on birthday? Well, dad's like, yeah, I, I told you I would. You, yeah, I told you. And he just keeps bugging him and he bugs him. Dad, what, are you sure? Are you still going to, are, do you still plan? That is not only impatience but it's not trusting. So in that case, and tell me if you agree with this or not, do you believe that patience is linked to trust and vice versa? And the reason I want you to tell me is because for me it is. For me personally, it's trusting that God will open the doors that need to be opened and shut those that need to be shut. It's being at peace, believing that the people and or the opportunities that need to be in my life will present themselves at the right place at the right time. Those opportunities may or may not be the ones I had in mind. But the fact is, I need to trust slash be patient in the process of. And I'm starting to see, thankfully, took me a while, that patience 
is peaceful. It was, it was Aristotle who said, patience is bitter, but its fruit is sweet. So a little bit different there. I say patience is peaceful. I, I think what he's alluding to is that patience ends up being peace. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to twist his words a little bit there. But patience leads to peace, maybe I should say. Now, is patience being sedentary, apathetic, still, lazy, slothful? No, absolutely not. In fact, uh, Fulton Sheen, he was a televangelist from the 1950s. He said, patience is not an absence of action. Rather, it is, quote, a timing. It waits on the right time to act uh, for the right principles and in the right way. So I, I don't want to talk about sedentary versus, you know, aggressive and so forth. But we're just talking about patience in general and, and patience as it applies to your own sense of peace. Now, I'm a donut guy, donut hole, you know that. So here's the donut hole. I'm taking a drink of a gallon of water. My wife has me drinking a gallon of water a day. And man, I, it's really weird how physics works because for every gallon, I pee three gallons. I don't know how that works, but it's, it's bananas. But anyways, so here's the donut hole. If, if it's true that sincere patience brings peace, which it does, it really does, then whatever it is you're patiently waiting for drastically drops in significance. Let me, um, I was going to reword that, but I don't know if I can word that any better, but here, here's the deal. Here, here's my scenario. And I, I want you to think about your own scenario, but here's my scenario. I've been very open about my constant perpetual feeling of discontent that I'm failing, that I haven't accomplished enough, that I'm not on the path that I'm certainly not on, not on the path to accomplishing as much as I should, or that I feel that I could, whatever. But if I'm honest with myself about why I want to, quote, accomplish more, it's because I think it will bring me peace, which ironically enough, peace comes with patience. So if I am patient, I find peace, which means I am already at the finish line of what I want to accomplish or what the, I guess, the finish line of what I want to get to with all these, quote, accomplishments. Does that make sense? So it's like, it's like you're in a race and... You know, the, the gun fires and I'm sprinting down the track. Well, it's like taking that finish line and sprinting it towards me. Does that make sense? I bring the finish line to where I am in life. And that's what patience is. Patience is looking off in the distance, seeing that light at the end of the tunnel, seeing the finish line, seeing that, that mountain you're trying to summit and bringing it directly to you where you are in place and time. That's what patience is. And I want you to really try to wrap your hand around that concept. Meditate on it. Pray about it. Talk to people about it. Initiate conversation with me. Because if you know me, I don't really initiate conversation with a lot of people. But hey, you can, you can initiate conversation with me. I'm all about it. I think I'm kicking it in horse if I keep going here. But I think you get the point. Now, listen. Do not worry. Don't. I, I told a grad student one time. He, he came up to me and he was worrying about what he should do. He had a fork in the road with life and he didn't, and I could tell he was worried. And I said, listen, man, I said, worry has never helped anyone accomplish anything. And then I went on to give him some advice and, and, and he went on his date and he, he, uh, he messaged me a couple of days later and he said, he said, just, you know, that sentence has changed my life. Worry has never helped anyone accomplish anything. And I hadn't even remembered I said it until he emailed me back. So I'm passing it on to you. If I know I'm struggling with this at times, if you're struggling, we can, we could get into why we struggle. Uh, Ephesians talks about, uh, in fact, well, here, I'll just, I'll read this verse to you. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, you can take that any way you want. I don't really care how you take that. But my point is, 
I believe that perpetual discontentment, the inability to be patient, the rejection of peace is, yes, it's, it's our fault. I'm not trying to blame it on anyone else but me here, but I think that there are forces that sway or try to sway us one way or the other, if you will, uh, as worded in Ephesians. But, hey, you know, we'll talk about that later. So this is my advice to you, and I uh, hope you're still listening. Be patient and let God work. If nothing else, just make sure you're polished and ready to move when the time does come. When that door does open, you're ready to move. So you're not slothful, you're not lazy, you're not apathetic, but you're patient, knowing that a direction for you will present itself when the time comes. Listen, I realize I'm not the only one in the world feeling like this. I realize that some of you may feel unaccomplished. You may feel like you have failed or on the path to failure. Perhaps you've bought into the lie that all those around you and all those you see are living in the bliss of success. Do not feel ashamed. Do not let the enemy or the darkness or anything convince you that you're anywhere else other than where you need to be or that you've accomplished anything less than what you have been called to accomplish at this point in your life. Do not fall into the trap of believing that the smiles you see on social media come from a place you can't seem to find. Stop worrying. Be patient. If I may pass, if, if, I, may take, if I may take the freedom to pass on the message that was given to me, you're right where you need to be.